Hi there. A quick note before you start listening to this episode. As the podcast has evolved, we've come to focus more directly on the topic of diversity, equity, and inclusion in organizational life. The episode you're currently listening to focuses more broadly on the topic of creating purposeful organizations. So if that's what you're after, then listen on. But if you're looking for more DEI-focused content, we suggest skipping forward a few episodes and looking for the ones titled Inclusion at Work. Happy listening. That's probably my biggest messaging for people is it's not about being perfect. It's not about completely transforming your life overnight, but it is about making those small changes. And the most simple ones that you can make to start with are your consumer choices. It's when you're at the checkout at your local supermarket. It's choosing the more free range eggs or it's choosing to have a meat free meal or buying something with less packaging. Welcome to the Leaders for Good podcast. This episode, we sit down with Lottie Diel. Lottie is the founder of Banish, an organization focused on giving Australians the tools they need to reduce their waste and ecological footprint. Banish is an online store where you can pick up all of your sustainable goods for better living. And Lottie also does a lot of work in the public speaking and corporate education space. We dive into Lottie's personal journey into the world of sustainability and how that, strangely enough, involved Mark Wahlberg. Uh, We chat about how attitudes towards sustainability have shifted in Australia, particularly during the pandemic. And we touch on habit and behaviour change and what you can do to uh, live a more sustainable life. Really fun conversation. Thoroughly enjoyed talking to Lottie and I'm sure you'll enjoy listening as well. So without further ado, we bring you Lottie DL. Welcome back to another episode of the Leaders for Good podcast. I am joined today by Lottie DL. Lottie, how are you going? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. No Kerry boys today. Kerry is on urgent, uh, you know, urgent, urgently needed elsewhere, but um, we didn't want to pass up the opportunity to talk to Lottie. Um, Lottie, so let's dive in. How do you find yourself doing the work you're doing and what is Banish? Yeah, so (laughs) how long have we got on this podcast? So um, Banish is an online store and education platform that helps people reduce their waste. So in a nutshell, three years ago, I was personally trying to reduce my waste and I'd set all of these kind of ambitious New Year's resolutions and one of them was just to simply do better when it came to the environment. Mm. I It wasn't really a smart goal. It didn't really have anything kind of tangible on it. It was just kind of like, okay, I, I knew that we needed to do something when it came to the environment and I knew that I could do more. But when it actually came to doing more and to doing just just that doing better it was really really difficult and it was really confusing and I didn't really even know where to start Mm. so it like many news resolutions it just kind of sat there on my to-do list and I didn't really do much with it and at the time I was working as a journalist for men's health magazine and I was assigned a story to live like Mark Wahlberg for a week 
And I'm not really sure if you know much about Mark Wahlberg's daily routine. I don't. And I didn't expect this podcast to involve Mark Wahlberg. But I, <laughs> I, let's go with it. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm so curious. Um, yes. Yeah, so it was so ridiculous. So Marky Mark wakes up at 4am every morning and he meditates for about an hour and he prays and then he works out for a couple of hours and then he kind of has all of his smoothies and his fad juices and what have you. So I woke up and I think I made it about 10 minutes into meditating, which is really good for me, but there was no way that I was going to be able to do it for an hour. And I'm not a religious person, so I couldn't pray. So I was literally awake at 4.15 in the morning going, well, what am I meant to do? If I was to work out for an hour and a half, I wouldn't make it to work because I'd be exhausted. So I was just sitting there doing absolutely nothing. So I thought, okay, well, I guess I should probably start on those New Year's resolutions. So I looked at the one to be more sustainable and to live better and I started doing my research and I thought, okay, well, after this I'm going to have a smoothie so I would normally add a plastic straw to my smoothie. Mm. So I did all of the research into what type of stainless steel straw would it, would it be a stainless steel straw? Would it be a silicon straw? Would it be a bamboo straw? There were so many different options. Mm. And I was doing all of this research into finding the most sustainable straw and which one was the right one for me. And that took me an hour just to do all of that research because there was no just simple Google search hi, I'd like a, a, a sustainable solution to a plastic straw. What is it? Mm. There was no simple answer. And once eventually I'd worked out that I wanted to get a stainless steel straw, I ordered one online from what I thought was a sustainable store. And a couple of days later, I ordered a five pack and a couple of days later it arrived and each straw was individually wrapped in plastic. And I just went, well, what am I doing? Why did I just spend my precious time at 4am in the morning researching for hours purchasing this straw to reduce plastic just for it to come wrapped in plastic and it just really really frustrated me and I'd been continuing my 4am wake-ups researching and kind of looking into my next sustainable solutions Mm. but it was almost like a research project I was doing the amount of research that I would do to write a really intense in-depth article Mm. and I was going for the average consumer why would they want to do this? Why do they care enough to do this much research? And I felt disheartened when it arrived and there was plastic wrapped all around it. So imagine the everyday person, they just throw in the towel and wouldn't use that straw or wouldn't want to even try and do anything. Mm. So I kept up with my 4AMs because I'm a very, once I say I'm going to do something, I will do it. And I actually started looking forward to it because it was this dedicated couple of hours that I could spend researching and getting into the nitty gritty of everything to do with sustainability. But it was like the more I, the more I researched, the more opportunity I found, the more gaps that I saw in the way that sustainability was being communicated, the way that it was being made relatable or not relatable. And I just kind of thought, well, this is just absolutely ridiculous. And there were some great stories that came out of my wake-ups. I'd find an amazing sustainable online store or brand who was doing the right thing, who was hand-sewing dishcloths in in rural Victoria, who lived and breathed everything to do with sustainability. 
but had no platform or no way to get their products into large audiences Mm. and to be talking about that. So I just kind of went, well, it just makes sense to make the solution, to make a store or a platform that not only educates people on how to live better and how to live more sustainably, but then provides them and connects them with those brands that are actually doing the right things Mm. so that was kind of how banish was started so it was a very random beginning but looking back on it now and it's still it just makes so much sense to me we owe it all to mark warburg (laughs) (laughs) like so many like so many great businesses it, it sounds like banish was started by scratching your own itch, so to speak. You you couldn't find what you were looking for out there in the marketplace, so you decided to to do it yourself. I'm 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 curious, just winding back a little bit. What was the impetus for you, kind of having this this desire to jump into the world of more sustainable living in the first place? Was there a specific event? Was it a um, something you read, something you saw? I'm, I'm thinking back to the the, the pre pre New Year's resolution. Yeah, so there wasn't actually kind of a aha moment or a tipping point for me. I think it was probably just I'd call it like gradual white noise in the mm. background. Mm. I kept on glancing over the articles that were kind of talking about sustainability that was I saw documentaries about it, but I didn't really watch them. I knew that they existed but it wasn't really something that I focused on. I'd been using a reusable coffee cup for years, Mm. but that was just because it made sense to me and because you got 50 cents off with your coffee. So it was kind of like, oh, well, of course, that's easy. It looks great. It's pretty. It saves me money and it also helps the environment. But it wasn't from a very eco-conscious perspective. Mm. But it was more just the fact it was almost like a snowball effect. The more I did the research, the more I looked at my lifestyle, you, I just saw how so much could change with so little effect on my, me. Mm. If anything, it was all, it was making, say, for example, if I was to reduce the amount of plastic in my grocery shop, that meant that I was eating less lollies, less chips, less packaged foods and more fruit, more vegetables. So that was helping me. It was the fact that I was learning to compost and learning to do that and connecting with people in my community, which again benefited me. So it wasn't just for the good of the planet, but it was also for me personally, I think. And I think that's the biggest thing when we think about sustainability is a lot of the turning points that we see in particular with women is when they fall pregnant. It's Mm. I've got somebody else that I'm going to be responsible for and who I'm bringing into this world and I want it to be a clean one Mm. so I think it's a really interesting perspective when it's when it's put like that so I don't think there was really a yeah a tipping point for me I unfortunately it wasn't like I swallowed a plastic bag and was like great this is the time for me to make a difference but I think once you start doing your research and you find out the statistics like that every Australian is consuming five grams of microplastics every week when you're reading articles like that, it's hard not to do anything. You just want to act. You want to change. That segues quite nicely. So you, you mentioned at the top that part of part of what Banish does is is education and advocacy and and changing people's 
people's minds and people's behaviors. I'm wondering if you could speak to that a little bit, because you you touched on a couple of motivational levers there that were true for you. So, oh, it's, it's you know, it, it's beneficial for me and, and it's just replacing something I'm already doing, but doing it in a more sustainable way. How, how do you think about helping people make behavior change? What, what are some of the key messages that you share with the audience that you found really hit home and, and really kind of get that, get that kick started for folk? Yeah, it's actually quite interesting. I think I use a lot of the psychology from where my time working in the health and fitness industry, mm. because I actually like to think about kind of choosing a sustainable lifestyle or trying to live a sustainable lifestyle as a lifestyle it's not, if you were to apply it with a health and fitness lens, you would go, well, you're not going to sign up for a marathon, quit sugar, go completely gluten-free and dairy and start crossfitting all in the same week. You'd start with a walk around the block. Then you might start not having that chocolate after dinner and then Mm. you'd make small steps. So I think that's my biggest thing with sustainability is that we do need to make those small steps. And like health and fitness, everybody is different. You can't look at your next door neighbor and go, oh, well, they've got a compost bin and I don't. So they're automatically more sustainable. It goes, well, no, they have got three cars in your garage, whereas you drive your bike to work every day. Mm. So I think it's about looking at it from this, from the aspect of we can all make small changes mm. and we this is a very long-term journey and it's not going to be a quick fix. So I think that's probably my biggest messaging for people is it's not about being perfect. It's not about completely transforming your life overnight, but it is about making those small changes. And the most simple ones that you can make to start with are your consumer choices. It's when you're at the checkout at your local supermarket, Mm. it's choosing the more free range eggs or it's choosing to have a meat free meal or buying something with less packaging it's those small changes that will make a big difference. And I think it's that's been really beneficial to Banish's growth has been the fact that we're not a platform that advocates for people being perfect. It's about making, yeah, those small steps to make a big difference. The Going back to New Year's resolutions, there's actually a, uh, there's actually a, um, uh, I think there were some studies done on New Year's resolution syndrome and clustering habits. So it's it's when people do say, "I'm going to quit smoking, quit drinking, go to the gym five times a week, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And then when one of those um, tips over, there's a right, right. Well, bugger it, then I'm 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 not doing any of it, and they they tend to fall down on the whole thing. So I really like the approach of okay, how do we make one habit at a time, make it stick and then build and go from there. Exactly. And I think COVID was a really big test for everybody because during COVID we saw an increase in the amount of single-use coffee cups being used again. We were going back to using single-use face masks. There was a really big, what felt like a really big step backwards in the sustainability movement. But people weren't really looking at inside their homes where we saw kind of statistics which were that food waste was decreasing. Obviously, barely anybody was flying, so carbon emissions were down. All of this stuff that was happening, people were learning how to kind of grow their own fruit and vegetables at home, which, again, helps the environment. There was so much good that was happening during COVID, but Mm. it felt like we were taking steps backwards because of that single-use plastic. 
I um, it was funny. Just coincidentally, an email landed in my inbox this morning, uh, like a McKinsey digest of their research around uh, around plastics and around consumer attitudes towards it. And one of the things they noted was during the pandemic, um, global attitudes towards um, uh, towards sustainable packaging shifted from it's good from the uh, good for the environment. Well, that that was still a factor, but what became a lot more prevalent was it's healthy and hygienic so that 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 focus on okay is this is this a is this a you know is this okay for me to do and and we saw that for a time here in australia where you know you couldn't take a you couldn't take a reusable coffee cup into a into a into a coffee shop because they wouldn't accept it because of the the you know the risk of risk of transmission etc so it's really interesting to see how how that shift uh, overall though in terms of the um you mentioned the the swings and roundabouts in the in the pandemic um you work with a lot of organizations you go in you do education and, and talks etc was the appetite for that still there or or did corporations go into more defensive mode and okay we've got to <laughs> make sure we've uh we're still existing as a business what was the what was the impact on on Spanish? yeah it was really it was quite mixed, I think. So Banish from an online store and marketplace perspective was absolutely booming because people were buying things like cleaning products online. They were indulging in essential oils and candles because they were always at home. So mm. that we saw a really interesting transformation in that space. So whilst we were selling less single, uh, less reusable coffee cups, we were selling a lot more of other different um, product ranges. But in terms of the kind of the corporate education space, it really shifted. We definitely did have a couple of corporates, as you say, who did that kind of pulled budgets, pulled everything because they were laying off staff. They were making drastic cuts inside the organisation. So I think it didn't really make sense for them to then spend money on this kind of stuff. Mm. But in saying that, we did have a lot of other organisations who we had planned kind of in-person workshops or kind of seminars organised with them shift and kind of come to us and say, look, we really want to still engage with our staff and we still really want to talk to them about sustainability. How can we do that in an engaging way mm. online? So that was a really, really great opportunity and I think it helped banish grow and banish develop because we were pushed to do things that we wouldn't normally do. We launched a podcast during COVID, which again is something that has been on my to-do list for forever, but there was never really the right time mm. until COVID happened. We launched a ebook and online course called the Wasteless Workbook. Again, it wouldn't have happened if we didn't have COVID and we didn't have that time just to really look at what our core is and focus on that. And, and do you think the sustained interest in this or, or, or in, in some cases the uptick in interest in, in this area, because we launched Leaders for Good during the, during the pandemic and, and, you know, that's, that's an organization, you know, we're focused on helping, helping businesses um, do more good in the world, which, which includes acting more sustainably. And we've seen, we've seen a great response and the hypothesis we had going in was that actually COVID has been one of the factors that's helped leaders re-examine their, their values and their priorities in life. And I'm just wondering if you're, you're kind of sensing the same thing or, or hearing the same thing in the, in the, in the one-on-one -on -one conversations you're having with individuals. 
Definitely. I think it has. I think it's really, it's allowed people to really relook at their values mm. and to look at what impact they're having, not only on the planet, but also with their friends and their family and in their relationships. I think we were really, it was a really good time for people to look inwards rather than outwards, whereas we were constantly like climbing the corporate ladder or looking for that next overseas holiday or I don't know, the next party out. It really made us kind of go, okay, what actually makes me happy and what actually brings me joy, which I think was really great to see. And I think from a sustainability perspective, it wasn't people growing their own vegetables at home or making their own bread. It doesn't directly impact the sustainability movement, Mm. but it helps with that whole movement of kind of going back to what we used to, going back to basics. And I think it's just little things like I had so many people who didn't realise that on a on a um, cauliflower pl- uh, bush, only one cauliflower grows. So I didn't you kind know of that. yeah. So you have so you spend so much time growing this one cauliflower bush to get one cauliflower, and then we go to Coles and Woolworths and we pay what a dollar fifty for it, and it goes off in our fridge because we've forgotten about it. So it's things like that. Now you have that appreciation for that cauliflower and how hard people have worked to grow it that it then I think that's been a really, really helpful point. My mind's actually still being blown right now. I didn't know that about cauliflower. So I've, 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 if, if I take nothing else away from today's conversation, it's going to be that cauliflower fact. <laughs> um, the, uh, this raises a really interesting question. So, so you mentioned Pete, we, we were talking about values and we were talking about people connecting with, with what's meaningful for them and moving towards that. And, and, and maybe even in some instances, shifting up their careers and in the way that, that you have, and, and in the way that, that we have as well, sort of stepping into this space. And you mentioned before your background in journalism, in, in health and fitness. And what would you say to somebody who, is perhaps had this sparklet in them. They want to move into the area of, of sustainability. They want to move into the area of social impact, whatever it might be, but they don't have the the, the background or the credentials or, you know, the academic training or, or what have you. What, what was, what was your experience with that? And, and any, any sage words for, for somebody in, in that position? Yeah. So I studied nutrition and media and communications back at uni. So, and haven't done any formal university qualifications since. So don't have technically any sustainability credentials in that aspect, but I still call myself a sustainability expert because what I believe that I bring to the table is the ability to unpack complex ideas and information and make and digest it so that it is available for the everyday consumer and the everyday person. So Mm. like so many people during COVID, I did upskill and I did do quite a few online courses, but they were more in kind of just me reading and digesting information. Mm. And it was, so for me, I haven't gone back to university. I, I did definitely look into it, but the speed at which this industry is moving personally for me and what I want to do with my career, going back to study wasn't really going to be a good option for me. But there are so many courses coming out at the moment in sustainability. Mm. I just think the term sustainability can be quite difficult. It is 
it means so much, which is a great thing, but it is it is quite difficult and it is can be quite confusing. So I think mm. for people who want to look at switching into this space, like you said, it could be into social enterprise, which technically might still have something down the line to do with sustainability, but it's not really related to. So I think it would be about working out if it is sustainability that you want to go into, what element or what aspect of a sustainability you're looking at if it's going to be something say for example in energy or is it something more to do with behavior change or something like there are so many different things it could be textiles it could be water management there's so many different things I think it's would be I'd be really clear on what aspect you want to focus on Mm. and for me for example my poison is plastic waste is my biggest thing that's Mm. just me through and through and second of all would be composting Mm. those are the two things that I love and I've really chosen to focus on but there are so many other things that you can do from a sustainability perspective so I think it's about finding your niche and then going from there Mm. and trying to get some real life experience first. It's almost like going back to interning because there's so much out there. There are so many opportunities now. Every kind of major corporation seems to have a sustainability officer these days, Mm. but I doubt many of them have an actual sustainability degree. It's just about the way that they've got there and the way that they're choosing to approach that role the term sustainability officer could mean so many different things you could be delivering workshops to staff you could be implementing policy and processes from behind the scenes you could be looking at the supply chain you deal with people like this all the time it's it's kind of a term which is great to have in a business but it there's no real definition Mm. it's so true my um my partner is a is a is a sustainability head of sustainability for a for a large organization and she's she's an environmental engineer by um by academic background so she's she's kind of got the full stack but there are people who work with her and 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 around her in in her department who come from all kinds of different walks of life and and they've entered you know they've entered that that stream through their ability to, to to quantify to communicate to synthesize information and and they can still add value and and what i love about your story is you've found the overlapping Venn diagram of your superpowers where, you know, you, you kicked it off there with the research, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to dive into this and your, your journalistic training and instincts led you down those particular rabbit holes. And then your ability to, 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 to sort of synthesize and communicate that information. So you, uh, I guess for me, the thinking about the, you know, what's the takeaway for the, for the audience here, cause we're in the business of, of what's next for people it's it's find find that find that space where you're uniquely qualified but think about the you know the ikigai have you heard of that the um it's like a four point venn diagram and it's what the world needs um what you can get paid for what you love and what you can uniquely uh what you're uniquely uniquely qualified to do and i think thinking about that those four elements kind of can help you zone in on okay what is it it's like you know i'm really passionate about plastics the world needs that i'm qualified to communicate about it etc etc sorry i'm going down a bit of a rabbit hole here but i I, I'm, i'm really kind of i think if if there's a takeaway here for me it's it's being inspired by that no that's great i haven't heard of that diagram before so i'm definitely going to look look it up when we finish this but i also think it comes down to yeah 
if there is somebody else who's doing something that you want to do or that you admire, I'm so not afraid to go up and ask them how they got there and what Mm. they would recommend for somebody else who's in their shoes or kind of who's five years behind them down the track because they'd go, oh, my God, I spent three out of that five years doing going down this path when I realized it was wrong and I could have just done X, Y, and Z to get here so much faster. Or I think that's really valuable. And I think people are very generous with their time and are more than happy in my experience to share that kind of information because it's, it can be confusing. And I think if you don't know anybody in that industry, and you kind of, I don't know, if you're in IT and you want to then go and work for a purpose for profit business, it can be quite confusing and overwhelming and scary. So it's not until you kind of have a conversation with somebody else that you go, oh, actually, no, that is something that I would like to do. Or thanks for the time, but that's actually not something that I want to do. So I think mm. I'm all about communication and talking to people. And and sometimes it's the romanticized idea of what a job is versus what it actually is in in reality when you get to the bare bones of it. I remember hearing a story about, and this is unrelated to sustainability, but um, in the height in the height of um, CSI being a popular TV show, so many people signed up for like forensic, uh, you know, <laughs> forensics de- degrees, and then they got there and found out the actual work isn't shining black lights over crime scenes all the time. It's like really quite boring. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so I, I think the idea to that you know the marrying the desire to make a difference with what I'm actually passionate about doing day to day is, is super, super important. Um, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. It could just also be something as simple as joining. I think most organizations or large teams at the moment have what's called a green team. Mm. So it could be something like that is you're not changing your whole career or your job, but you might be giving back in that way that you're organizing initiatives within the office to help do better. So I think it as much as it would be amazing to have every single person in the world working in a some form of sustainable job we don't need that but mm. we do need people to kind of do their bit where they can and then they can continue their amazing careers that's awesome um in terms of the in terms of the education you do with organizations for the for you know for their people what are the messages you're taking in there is it is it is it that message of of personal responsibility and what what you can do as an individual or is it more more focused on what the organization can do what what does that look like Yes. So my primary focus is consumers. It's one-on-one individuals. It's making those small behavior changes and it's making them together. So it's empowering individuals together to make a difference. So that's really my focus. I, when I do corporate education, I do get asked a lot to consult on a kind of a more of a larger corporate strategy. In some businesses, it makes sense for me to do that for them. But in a a lot of cases, it doesn't make sense because again, I'm trying to stay in my lane and I'm trying to really focus on what my strengths are Mm. and they are empowering individuals to make those changes. And and I suspect you probably more impactful with that with that focus you know i, I love um i'm rereading essentialism um greg McEwen's book and and he talks a lot about you know the uh you know the, the essential um and the impactful kind of narrowing down of, of what we do to to really to really where we can have the biggest impact versus trying to do everything and i think um it sounds like you've you've found your sweet spot there 
yeah, look, I still do a lot. <laughs> I'm still trying to do everything, but just I, I think I'm getting more and more clear the longer I'm in this business mm. about what it is that not only like I want to do, but I also that I'm good at. So it's continuing that. Yeah, beautiful, um, Lottie. This has been this has been really fun and fascinating. Um, we'll we'll kind of have a chance to like wrap up with any further points we didn't touch on there. But if um, if you're game for it, I've got a few rapid fire um, questions to to shoot at you, and and the the questions are rapid fire. Your answers certainly don't have to be. Um, if you're up for that, <laughs> sounds good. Um, what do you explore on evenings and weekends when you're not uh, when you're not diving deep into the world of sustainability and plastics um i'm a very big outdoorsy person so mm. i set myself the challenge on the first day of winter in 2020 to, to go in the ocean every day oh, nice. so that is what you'll find me doing i'm still doing it we're almost hit the year mark so that is where you'll find me it's either outdoor hiking or walking or in the ocean oh very cool um and what organizations do you admire? Are there any businesses or, or individuals out there that you really think are just doing amazing work? Gosh, like this is a, there's so many people I could mention here, but one that comes to mind, actually, I interviewed for the podcast that I do um, is Zoltan Sharkey. I probably pronounced his last name wrong, but he is the co-founder of Citizen Wolf, which is a t-shirt company, which is based in Sydney and they custom make every single t-shirt to the person. So they've got this magic fit algorithm where this sounds like an ad, but I'm just really obsessed with it is they ask for four different metrics. So kind of your age, your weight, your height, and then something else, or your bust size for women. And then they're able to create a T-shirt that will fit just you. And they make everything in Australia in their Sydney factory using Australian textiles. And I just think walking away from the conversation that I had with him last week was really impactful for me because it was really inspiring to hear not only about the challenges, but how they'd made it through those challenges and now they're B Corp certified and they've done all of these amazing things. So he's probably front of mind, somebody at the moment who I really admire and am really looking up to with the way that kind of they're changing their business practices, but also challenging the fashion industry with technology, I think is really amazing. Okay, fantastic. So Citizen Wolf was the name of the yes, brand? Yes, that's right. Okay, we'll, 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 we'll be sure to drop a, a link to them in the pod, podcast in the show notes and I'm going to check them out as well because I need a couple of new t-shirts and that sounds amazing. Uh, <laughs> this question we ask we ask to most people, but I think it's probably it probably has a bit more weight, your answer. Um, what was the biggest change you've personally made to more towards more sustainable living in your own life? Because you've got the data to back this up as well. I so know. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Well, my career, my career shift would be the number one change. That would be fair, yeah. Um, but that's not really an, like a change that everybody else can make. It would have to be composting. Okay. That is the single-handedly biggest change that I saw in my personal bin size because the average household like bin is 40% made up of um, organic matter Mm. and organic waste. So by getting a compost bin, you are reducing your waste by almost half in one go. Mm. 
It's one of the most simple things you can do. And if you are in a small house or an apartment or don't have a compost bin or don't want a compost bin, then there is also the Share Waste app, which is an app which connects you with people in your local area who have compost bins who are happy to accept your waste. So when I initially started this journey, I was living in a townhouse, couldn't have a compost bin, but in downloading this app, I was able to connect with so many people who, like me, were doing better and that really kind of helped inspire me and helped keep me going as well. So it's a bit of a ripple effect. Fantastic. That's great. Um, Lottie, any parting thoughts, any asks of the audience before we, uh, before we wrap up? Um, I think what I would say is to do that one thing that you've been meaning to do. And that's very broad and it doesn't really sound like much, but I don't think we can be prescriptive when it comes to sustainability. We can't get out there and tell every single person to go and get a compost bin. Mm. But what we can do is we can ask everybody to make that one change they've been meaning to make. Mm. If it is to have meat-free Mondays or it could be to start catching the bus to work or carpooling with a friend or something, just do that one thing that's been on your to-do list or that you've been meaning to do. That's what I would love everybody to go away and do. And is there a is there a resource you could point people to that's got um, maybe some inspiration? If if somebody doesn't doesn't have a you know they doesn't they don't necessarily have that top of mind thing, and they're like, okay, I'm I'm sold. I want to do something. Is there a is there a, a place you can point people to 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 go visit? That would be Banish. Yes, I, I, I knew it was going to segue nicely. <laughs> so that would be me. Um, so, yes, yeah, so banish.com.au is where you'll find all of the educational resources as well as the tools from the Australian businesses. But also, it sounds ridiculous, but follow me on Instagram. I share daily information and tips in digestible little nibbles of bites, everything from kind of soft plastic recycling to composting to where to recycle cycle e-waste everything like that so that's what i would also recommend as well awesome well we'll obviously drop links to uh, to all of that and everything we've mentioned in the in the show today in the uh, in the show notes uh, lottie thank you so much that's been that's been insightful and inspirational so really appreciate your time and spending you know uh, spending some time sharing with uh, with the audience no, thank you so much for having me as well. I just love talking about this and I look forward to hearing what your listeners think about it. Good stuff. Okay, well, thanks again, Lottie, and thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this episode useful, the best way to support us and spread the message is by telling a friend or a colleague. You can also give us a rating or a comment on iTunes podcasts and if you'd like to learn more about leaders for good and how you can start making positive change head on over to leadersforgood.org and join our free community